My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Carrie Barrett. She trains individuals and teams to create and use video to scale messaging, visibility, and authority, as well as educate and nurture their potential clients. She's also the host of the VIQ Project Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Carrie. How's it going? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great Thank conversation. You. We'll cover yeah. what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I started my business about four years ago, which um, like a little bit before the pandemic hit. So good timing. Uh, prior to that, I was in the news industry. I was on air as an anchor and a reporter, a producer, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit at the beginning of, of my tenure. Um, and I wound up in New York City at NBC with a couple of Emmys and awards under my belt. However, what most people find a little bit shocking about that is that I overcame this incredible fear of, um, you know, not just speaking on camera, but even really sort of being seen. Um, I was always very shy, very introverted. I still am that way to some degree, but I help my clients now, as you mentioned, create video. But uh, one of the things that we do a little bit differently is we get them comfortable on camera. They understand the skills. They can rely on those skills when they're, you know, interviewing for a podcast or they're um, doing a live stream. And so once you get comfortable on camera, not only does it make the process of creating video much quicker, but it makes the video that much more compelling because we've all seen super cringe, boring, you know, sort of corporate or business videos, and nobody's doing themselves any favors with those. So a big part of it is yes, what you say, but it's also the way that you can not only grab, but also hold your audience's attention to bring them through to the end, give them an experience, if you will. Absolutely. I would love to dive into this whole fear of public speaking yeah. to, you know, being a news anchor. <laughs> that is... First of all, because, you know, a ton of people have a fear of public speaking and they never go near it. They don't touch it with yeah. a 10 foot pole. So what made you decide, OK, you know what, like screw this fear. We're going to do it anyway. Talk about that moment a little bit. Um, in a nutshell, failing organic chemistry. <laughs> That's what turned oh. the tide of my. So so I st <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting over some bronchitis, but um, it's funny because. I went to high school in New Jersey, which is where I'm based now. It's where I lived when I worked at NBC in New York City. And I would get messages from people that I had, you know, gone to high school with like, oh my gosh, you're on TV. This is like the last thing I would have ever expected out of you. And, um, and it's true, right? They're not being, mean. <laughs> they're not being mean. It actually is. So I actually, <laughs> excuse me. I started out as a pre-veterinary medicine major. I wanted to be an animal doctor when I was in, in college. I mean, I'd wanted to be a vet ever since I was a little kid. And um, 
it, part of it, obviously I loved animals. The other part of it is oh, good. we don't really have to like get up and make presentations or any of that other sort of stuff. So um, I was two years into my pre-veterinary medicine um, academic career and realized that organic chemistry was perhaps the one thing that I got along with worse than public speaking. So I took some time off. I took a year and a half. I had no idea what I wanted to do, right? I mean, I had wanted to be a vet since I, you know, since I was like four. And a year and a half came and went, still didn't know what I wanted to do. But my school, um, my undergrad, Clemson, had just started up a um, a communications program. And it was very, very broad. It was like, you know, business communication, international um, language and business. It was, you know, some PR and marketing and advertising and speech pathology and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, well, surely I can get like no, a, no organic chem <laughs> bingo. And two, there's going to be something within this broad range of, you know, courses that I can used to make a living when I graduate. And three, maybe I will finally get a handle on this fear that I have because I, I was going to have to take two public speaking courses. And I knew there's something in me that knew that that was going to be a hindrance no matter what field I went into. So I re-enrolled in the communications uh, department and I was taking so many credits because I wanted I wanted to make up for this lost time, you know, so 12 is is full time and I think I was taking 24 and I wanted to figure out how I could jam another three credits into my schedule. And so I'm like, well, I'm in school basically from like 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. What kind of I can't jam another class in there. Maybe I can get an internship. And then I was like, well, what sort of internships, you know, operate like on the weekends or like early morning or late at night? The news industry, right? It's 24 7, 365. I could intern on the weekends, I could intern overnight shifts, all sorts of stuff. So I applied for an internship at a news station um, in Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina, WYFF was the NBC affiliate. And I loved it from day one. And so then I had to figure out how it was that I was going to not just get over the fear, but also get good enough at it that somebody would like pay me to do it. And I, yeah. I do think I lived overseas a lot when I was a kid. Um, we moved around a lot. I've always had an interest in stories and like people's backgrounds and, you know, their day-to-day -day life and sort of those, those elements of journalism, but I had never tied the two together. So that was the moment I decided I wanted to go into journalism. And then I figured out how to not totally suck at it. <laughs> That is amazing. That is so cool. What's the, what's the, what's the phrasing? It's like failing forward, feeling sideways. Failing. I, I, let's go with forward. Let's go with forward. Yeah. It's like failing forward. That's, yes. that's the best way I can describe it, but that is so cool. It's such a cool story. Thank you. I would love to hear it. So, you know, you, you went, you became a news anchor, you overcame your fear of public speaking. What was the turning point where you decided, you know what, like, I'm going to teach other people this skill? Um, I had been in the business for 20 years, which is sort of a feat in itself. It's such a fickle industry. Um, and so I was exhausted. I, I worked the morning show, um, which I love. I love the spontaneity. I love that, you know, the 
repertoire between the your your co-anchors and your co-hosts. Um, but I was a disaster. You know, I'm like getting up at 1:30 in the morning and um, I'm trying to catch a couple of winks between the time I get home and the kids get back from school. I've got three and then maybe catching a few more winks before I have to get up in the morning. Anyway, I was I was I was a disaster. So when my contract was up, I decided it was it was it was time to not resign. It was time to launch into something new, which I hadn't built a runway. I had no flipping idea what it was that I was going to do. By the way, I know nothing about business either. Um, so I was sort of, I, I was, I was networking with, you know, who I knew was out of the business. And I was speaking to a woman who did PR and communications for a law firm. She's like, you're nuts to think about going back into the corporate world. You should create your own thing because you have all this experience and this story and we're in a digital era now and people need to be marketing and talking online not just for you know social media but also like media opportunities and webinars and master classes and you know video sales letters and all these other elements like especially long form content that people need to be good on camera for live streams you know virtual events etc and i'm like oh you're right so that's how Carrie Barrett Incorporated was was launched. It, I got up from that meeting. I went home and I'm like, I'm going to start a business. My husband's like, Holy cow! Um, and it's been an uphill it's been an uphill climb for the past three and a half years. I've I've, I've not peaked for sure, but I'm like, it's beginning to level out a little bit. So it's not as brutal as it was in the beginning. But I can tell you, like, I would go to a networking event and I would I would talk about what I'm doing and somebody would ask me, like, how I'm going to scale and be like, hold on a second, Google, what does scale mean? Like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I didn't gosh. know anything. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a tough row uh, to hold for the past couple of years, but I I love it. I love seeing the impact in my clients. I love seeing them get out there and market not just their businesses, but their own personal brands. And even more than that, I see the change in them that happened for me. Gaining that confidence changes the way that they show up in their life. You know, it's um, it's a it's a game changer. For, for most people, you know, being on camera and public speaking, it's like taking the two biggest fears that people have and creating this sort of perfect storm. And I promise you, if you can get through it, it will be a game changer, not just for your business, but also for yourself. For yourself and your confidence. First yeah. of all, I would just love to, I would, I would love to commend your bravery for going into <laughs> all of these different things, having not a single clue about it. Just like, you know what? <laughs> like fuck this like we're gonna try it we're gonna, we're gonna go it. man so cool so props <laughs> to you for that first Thanks. of all so how long have you been in business now what do you wish well let's let's start with that first yeah how long have i've you been, been in business um well i started slightly before the pandemic so we're looking at what like probably about three and a half years now okay thereabouts what you, anyway what do you wish that you had known back then that you uh -huh. know now Besides maybe scale it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew all the words. <laughs> I'm like, this is like trying to learn how to fly a plane with somebody teaching me in another language that I know nothing about. Um, so I wish I had I had known the words. Um really, I think what I what I wish I knew back then was. A couple of things that there are going to be days that you're going to 
you're going to wish you just like burned the business to the ground and started anew and that's okay um that it can be somewhat lonely even for an introvert like myself and i think um i got burned a couple of times when i first started by um by I don't want to say people that intentionally took advantage, but you know, I, I paid for business coaches and marketing agencies, like, like a lot of money and didn't get any return out of it. And I wish I had known what I should be looking for because I, my default is to trust somebody, which probably doesn't go along very well with the journalism, <laughs> journalism career, which is probably why I found interviewing people and getting, you know, a little bit um, aggressive, difficult, but I wish I had known to look at everybody with a, a bit of a more discerning, <laughs> discerning eye. Um, because I, I wasted a lot of time and a lot of money when I first started going in the wrong direction. It's like, you know, when you first start out, if you're just like one degree off, it's not a big deal, but then you sort of extrapolate to like a year later and then you're way off course and it took a lot to get back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What tips do you have for people who are in that position now where they have no idea what to look for? They don't know oh what gosh. to consider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> find a mentor, like, a, like not you know, depending on what your budget is, there's lots of people who offer, you know, I'll uh, pay me and I'll be your mentor, but finding somebody who has gone through the process that you have and has, and has some success, um, find a mentor who can guide you from the beginning. I would say that's one of the biggest mistakes I made as well is not having somebody to filter these decisions that I was making through. And had I had a trusted mentor in the beginning, I, I probably, I hopefully would not have gotten quite as far off course as I would. So find a mentor, somebody who understands your business model, what you're doing and how you're, you, you're, you want to do it and who has done that. And then, you know, I don't know, buy them a six pack or something and ask them to, <laughs> to help you. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I think that having a mentor is so crucial in the business world, yeah. especially now mm -hmm. when there's so many new different businesses that are coming out. There's, yeah. there's, there's so much going on just in the business world as a whole. Yeah. I think a mentorship is crucial. Having somebody who can help keep you accountable, can make sure that you're staying yeah. on track, that can tell you the things that you did not consider before. Yeah. I mean, well, I remember. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no you go. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, that the mentor sees that pile of dirty laundry that you've been stepping over for so long, you don't even notice anymore. And, yeah. and they're like, have you seen this big, like turd pile that you have going on over here? You got to fix that. And here's how you fix it. <laughs> yes. No, I, I completely agree. They help see between the lines. They see what, what you don't see, which is yep. an amazing tool to have. I was just going to say, I wish that I had a mentor just for the sole purpose of, you know, taxes and things like that. I started, I remember I started my first business. I had operated the first year without a sales permit. I didn't know I was supposed to be filing my taxes quarterly. I oh, annually no. instead. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but I was doing it all by myself. I had no yeah. idea who to talk to, who to, oh, who to like, who, who do you trust? I, who do you yeah. want to let into your financials? Like all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yes, mentorship is crucial. It's crucial. 100%. In fact, you know, it's funny you say that I just got through doing an audit. Um, I was audited for my startup year, right? So I had a lot of like startup expenses, gear and those coaches and marketing agencies. And, um, (laughs) and, and we just, we went, we went through an audit and we have an accountant. So, you know, it it happens to the best of us, but um, you're right. Like, having all those ducks in a row and having somebody guiding you through it would have saved a lot of time. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What is your, now that, now that you are three and a half years into your business, I'd like to think that you at least somewhat know what you're doing now. So what is, what is your focus going to be for the rest of this year? My focus for the rest of the year is I've developed, I, I work, I started out working with um, small business owners, coaches, consultant types, you know, service providers who needed to create, not only be good on camera for all of the opportunities that the digital world provides and media, but also needed to create video for sort of all stages of their funnel. And so I have a digital program. I do also one-on-one and group coaching with that, you know, various levels of support and we do some video production and editing and stuff. But and so that sort of runs <coughs> on its own, excuse me. What I'm focusing on for 2023 is my corporate offer, which is, again, teaching people how to appear on camera so that they can do virtual events and hybrid events. And they can, they can speak on a stage to move sort of from maybe, let's say, a salesperson to a thought leader, executives as well. <coughs> my goodness, excuse me. But one of the areas that I'm focusing on is teaching corporations to leverage all of their employees, not just their marketing and their sales teams, but teaching all of their employees how to leverage social media video. So you basically create an army of salespeople that you can leverage for leads, conversations and and certainly revenue. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that corporate makes um, is that they they go on, let's say LinkedIn and they make a lot of product videos or like um, you know sort of cringy, dry, you know, in essence, virtual white papers. And that doesn't do anything for anybody in terms of bringing new eyeballs or bringing new clients. And so teaching that you can post about yourself. You don't always have to post about your product. You can mentor, you know, young employees who were in the position, you know, that that you know you were in their position, let's say five or ten years ago. There's a whole bunch of ways to use social to grow not just your personal brand, but your company's brand as well. And so that offer is what I'm focusing on this year. Very cool. Very cool. I love that idea. Pretty sick. (laughs) What is your biggest like I said, now that you know what you're doing? Yeah. We all still have challenges. What is your biggest challenge today? Oh gosh, time management is a huge problem for me. I, I've been getting better, but I feel like I've been sort of absent from my family for the past three and a half years. And I think the other um, the other challenge right now is 
scaling. So on the on the small business owner side, it's basically all, you know, so, sort of all automated. You know, we're running ads, we're doing organic social, I market to my email list, people buy the course, it's at a price point that it, you know, doesn't usually require a sales call. Um, that's all running well. This other offer over here, this corporate is going to take a, a, a more of a team and I don't have a big team. So I'm, I'm beginning to dabble in understanding how to make good hires and even how I need my sort of organizational chart to look, you know, who I need to have in it in order to accomplish these goals. So that right now is taking up a lot of my time. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm sure. Hiring, yeah. especially right now, is such a nightmare. I know. Oh, I it's don't know. Crazy. <laughs> Champagne crazy. problems, though. Champagne yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't complain too much. <laughs> I mean, I did ask you the question. So, <laughs> well, that's all right. Yeah, I'm just trying to put a positive spin on it. You're right. It's a, this is a good problem to have. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> If you were to double or triple your revenue, what are some challenges you believe you might face or changes you might need to make? Oh, gosh. Um, if I were to double or triple my revenue, I'd probably um, I'd dial back on some of my one-on-one stuff because there's really, that's just super hard mm -hmm. to, it's super hard to scale. And if I double yeah. or triple, I, I imagine I would be somewhat time crunched. Um, and then I think the second problem I would have is sort of automating a lot of processes. You know, I have like videos created that help with the onboard process and answer FAQs and like guide people through things, but they're, they're not automated. So right now they take a lot of time for me to, you know, push out, um, automation would have to happen and yeah. um and the team would have to happen as well that Absolutely. would be the biggest challenge let's cover your podcast I know that you yeah. were on hiatus for a little bit but it's scheduled yes. to come back out or resume yeah. I guess mid-march yeah what did you cover on this podcast let's talk about that a little bit so the podcast is called the VIQ Project and VIQ stands for Video IQ. And the podcast covers everything from, you know, understanding how to use video um, for things like SEO, how to create, let's say, a course from content that you already have. We talk about confidence. We talk about um, on-camera delivery. We talk about everything that has to do with your face being in front of a lens, in essence, <laughs> is what it comes down to. How to use video for marketing, you know, a good structure for a webinar or a masterclass or a digital ad, for example. We cover a lot of that stuff in, in there. What was the intention behind starting this podcast? The intention behind starting the podcast was for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, it's it's great content. I record it in video, much like you do. So there's a lot of opportunities there to pull out clips and use them in newsletters and social, et cetera, et cetera. And the other, um, <coughs> there's really two other elements. I'm sorry, I'm still coughing. Um, the, the, the other element is to create like conversations to bring people in by providing value to them, giving them some quick wins, building trust, and then hopefully having them, you know, 
follow me and allow me to nurture them via email or social, and then eventually, hopefully convert into a client. The other element that is so beneficial for from a podcast standpoint is, I don't know if a lot of people think about this, I'm sure you do, but basically when you have a podcast, you are a media outlet, but without all the, you know, gatekeepers and stuff. So let's say there's like a, you know, a, a high level CEO that you'd love to talk to, but what do you, you know, what do you lowly Carrie Barrett have to offer that CEO? Well, what if I could give you a, a platform, right? With a, a good number of viewers and, uh, you know, downloads to, to, to talk and to, to spread your message. So it's a, it's a great way to own, if you will, a media outlet and use that for establishing connections with people who might otherwise close the door in your face. You are, you are the outlet, but without the gatekeepers. It gives you a great, and first of all, with the people that you want to talk to, that's one thing. And second of all, it is phenomenal for building connections and building rapport and it just you get to sit down with this person for an hour get to know them get to talk to them build Mm -hmm. that trust and it just it makes the relationship just that much more meaningful than if you were to go and knock on their door and be like hey what's up this is what I need from you yeah so it's it's definitely I completely agree it's podcast is revolutionary for when it comes when it's for networking and just that kind of thing as a whole absolutely 100% so I've got to ask you what, what, why'd you go on hiatus? Um, my, my messaging changed a little bit and some of my offers changed a little bit. I had this huge, like suite of offers that was sort of confusing <laughs> to, to my clients. Okay. And so I want, I want to pare the offerings down, um, which I'm working on right now. And then, uh, my corporate offer, it, w- which is launching, um, I was really speaking only to solopreneurs and small business owners, and I was really speaking just to them. I want to tweak it so that the messaging resonates with both of those audiences, which, you know, people may say, like, how exactly is that going to work? Well, I'm basically teaching them both the same thing. They're just implementing it perhaps slightly differently. So, you know, this, the best practices for creating video, for being, you know, for, for leveraging video for media opportunities or for, you know, virtual events or speaking engagements, it's the same for both of them. I just yeah. need to, I need to change the language so that it's reflective of the pain points that are shared and the commonalities between the two. Okay. And so you, you finally come to that conclusion, you know, what yes. the messaging is going to look like now, Yes. ready to yes. get back up and start a huge, huge podcast advocate. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. So I guess this question is more relevant for when you were doing it. Yeah. Um, but what have some of the biggest challenges been around growing the podcast? biggest challenges around growing the podcast were when I started out, I really did not know. Actually, okay, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I co-hosted a podcast with a marketing agency and we did that for about a year. And I realized that the clients that she was talking to were mostly um, 
B2C clients, they were product-based, not service-based, and our audiences didn't really overlap. And so I went, I went down the wrong path for quite a while, not realizing that our audiences didn't overlap. And so that was, you know, I, I backed out of that. It's still going, I believe, the mavens of marketing. It's good. Um, and then I launched, um, I launched into the VIQ project. And I think one of the biggest challenges there is I didn't fully understand how to optimize the podcast in the beginning. You know, I was basically just, I was doing a recording and I was, you know, tacking on an intro and an outro. And then I was just like uploading it. I didn't realize you know, I should have transcripts and they should upload to my website and there should be, you know, perhaps some timestamps so people can, you know, if they're watching it on YouTube, they know what's coming up. So it was really the production side of things that I found most challenging. Then I finally just decided I would hire a producer who knew what he was doing and could handle all that stuff. But I think, you know, if, if you're considering launching a podcast as you know, like you really don't need that much stuff when you're first starting out. It can get really overwhelming with like, I need this sort of light and I need this special camera and I need, you know, you do have to have good audio, um, <clears throat> but you don't have to spend thousands of dollars. And basically you can, you can open your camera or turn on your mic and you can talk yourself for a half an hour. You can do interviews like you're doing now. It doesn't take a lot to start. But it's, I think the things that happen on the back end that you don't realize that are, you know, what gets it out there and gets it seen and gets it visible. It's mm -hmm. sort of like social media. I always say like, it's not really the post. That's the hard part. You do need to be doing that. But then it's like the back end stuff, networking in the comments, replying to the people who reply to you, you know, that sort of thing, getting things keyword optimized and all that sort of stuff. So that was the biggest challenge for me, or at least the biggest sort of like knowledge stumbling block, I guess, mm -hmm. once I got that part figured out or I was able to offload it, then it became all a lot the easier. Technical, yeah. All the technical. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. When, I mean, listen, you could, anybody could, could open their camera and record a podcast and take out the audio or take out the video and, you know, load it up to Spotify or wherever, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's looking for a needle in a haystack if you haven't really optimized it for, people to find. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, yeah. I, I completely get it. Yeah. yeah. I think, and I think a lot of people too, when they start a podcast, they immediately think of how am I going to monetize this? And I think that's like, that's something you think down the road. That's not what's going to happen in the first six months, probably of your podcast, you're using it to develop, you, you know, connections, relationships, spread visibility, awareness, the monetization part, if it comes, if that's going to be one of your revenue streams, like direct revenue streams, that comes down the road, at least in my experience. I think that there are there are multiple different ways of monetizing a podcast. So yeah. I think personally, I think that it is doable within the first six months. Yeah, but that's, it's it's Tell also me everything it's, you know. <laughs> um, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> what? What do you love most about podcasting? I, I love the, you know, I've, because of my, my background is a news person and just my interest in people's stories. I love the interviewing. Like I absolutely love yeah. 
meeting people, you know, some, some of them I've known, but I get to dive a little bit deeper into their stories in the podcast. And then others are, are brand new connections. And I love talking to them. I love um, giving them sort of a platform to share their story and hopefully make an impact with, with people who are listening. Like at the end of the day, you want it, you want it to serve people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. That's pretty much the same reasons why I love podcasting yeah. too. Yeah. Just the connections that you get to make are amazing. Yeah. All right, Carrie, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. If you had to give one piece of advice to anybody who is struggling with public speaking, if you had to do it in one sentence, I'm going to limit you. Yeah. What would it be? Put in the reps. That's the only way to get better. And I listen, this is more than one sentence. (laughs) I hate watching myself. I hate listening to myself. I've been doing this now for 23, 40 years, counting my news um, career. And I still hate it, but it is the only way to get better. And I'll say this one other little thing. Live video for most people is like enough to send them into the corner of the room in a puddle of their own vomit. But what I will tell you is when you do a live stream, it is the best way to get really good at being on camera really quickly because you you can see when people are tuning out. And the key thing is when you are live, you have to dig yourself out of you know whatever hole you've dug yourself into, and I I knew that from my news and my news career. You know, like the, the prompter goes down, my co-anchor passes out, the reporter in the field loses their microphone. Like whatever it was, I had to navigate my way through it. And when I realized that I could navigate my way through it and come out on the other side, that was the life changing moment for me. That's when everything changed. My confidence grew. I was able to take risk. It's the same thing for live video. Once you know you can navigate out of whatever hole you dug yourself into, everything changes. Recording I'm video, sure, I mean, here, the whole I mean, that's I, I think that's why people are scared to do it in the first place because mm-hmm. they're scared. Like in your case, your, your co-anchor passed out. What do I yeah. do now? Or <laughs> I I'm like, lost connection. Somebody so, pull him off the set. I think once you get to that point where something happens and you have to navigate your way out of it, that's when mm-hmm. that fear goes away. Cause that's what you're scared of in the first place. One, so I mean, that's it. Makes yeah. sense. I think mm-hmm. that starting off with live video, that's, I've never thought about that, but that is so smart. It's a great tip. Thanks. Right, <laughs> if anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to find you? The best way is either DMing me on LinkedIn or following me on YouTube. I'm I'm relaunching my YouTube channel. It's I am Carrie Barrett. You can find me at uh, Carrie Barrett on LinkedIn and you can DM me or email me. All my contact information is on my profile pages. Okay. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is great. It was a pleasure. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. 
One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high-ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.